This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. And so I, I just say this to introduce this message. Um, I call it Be Urgent, the most urgent matter in the life of every believer. And that is the condition of people who have yet to place their faith in Jesus Christ. There is no matter of greater urgency. And here's why, folks, because you got to get a hold of this. You are dealing with eternity. You're dealing with forever. And, and I, I, I looked when I was writing this, I looked in the dictionary for the word eternity. And here's what it means, duration or continuance without end. That's eternity. And that means everything when you're dealing with unbelievers. See, and here's the deal, folks, and I include myself in this, man. I'm right there with you, man. Most of us are not urgent about unsaved people. It's easy to become very passive. And a lot of Christian people, truly Christian people, have accepted some lies, and we are going to look at those lies. We have to identify those lies. But first, let's look at an urgent Savior. Acts chapter 1. Our Lord's risen from the dead. He's about to go back to heaven. He's gathered his disciples together in some outdoor area. And they ask him a loaded question about the end times. They ask him an end times question. When are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That's in verse 6. Now, in verse 7, he said to them, that's not for you to know. My father sets those days. I love that. You know, they're asking him all these end time questions. He says, none of your business. I love that. And then he goes on to say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Now, get this, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in all the earth, okay? So he's saying, you guys, be, forget the end times, just trust, I'm coming again. Don't get so involved in that. He said, he's saying, you be urgent. Boy, I, I hope you guys get this. So many people are into the end times, and you lose the urgency of the here and now. Please, please get a hold of this. I'm not saying this. My Lord's saying this. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he, he says, my father sets those times. You guys, me too, be urgent about the here and now. And leave the end times to my father. You go into your Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is home. Jerusalem is home. That's the people that you love, your family, the closest people to you. That's where it begins, and it goes out from there. Then your Judea, then your Samaria. Now, he says, be urgent about that stuff. Then he gets to verse 9. After, a, a, after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And these disciples are looking up. They were looking up intently into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. These angels said, 
Why do you stand here looking into the sky? Now look at this. Here's a promise. This is why we can just take hold of the promise about the end times and then go on with being urgent about people who are still alive and know not Christ. He says, he says this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Will come back. That's a certain promise of God. That's God's word, folks. Listen. There is really a devil who wants us to be very passive about lost people. And so he's going to tell you a few lies here. And we're just going to look at these, okay? Some insight into these lies. And the first lie is everybody goes to heaven. And the media promotes that, that everybody goes to heaven. TV shows, oh, they're all, you know, everybody goes to heaven, right? I mean, a, a, an athlete from years ago dies. Or a, or a political figure, or an entertainment figure, they die. And what does the media report? They say this all the time. They say he or she went to a better place. People assume that when we die, and this is all the media, and the devil controls the media, we all go to a, a better place. They, they, they don't question that. They assume that. That gets them through funerals. And the problem is, folks, they don't know God. Because here's what they're saying. They're saying, God is love. My God would never create a hell. My, 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 my God, my, my, my God would take, he's going to take everybody to heaven, see? And of course God is love. That's just 1 John 4. In fact, God loved me so much, he punished his son instead of me. But see, that's justice. He punished sin. He punished his own dear son instead of me, and that's justice. See, but if people don't accept that and repent, which means they confess their sins and turn from those sins and turn to Christ as their only hope is salvation, God the Father cannot cease to be just. He's love, yes, but he cannot cease to be just. And, a, and, and if he doesn't punish their sins in Christ, he's got to be just and punish them for their own sins. And people don't understand that. They say God is love. Folks, all I want to say is, don't accept the part of God you like. Accept all of God for who he is as the Bible reveals him, okay? Here's another lie devils want you to believe. They want you to believe that um, when you're dead, you're dead. That this, is, this life is everything. And Jesus spoke to that very issue. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 16. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, well, what am I going to do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he says, this is what I'll do. Uh, I'll, I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger barns. And I'll store all my grain and all my goods in these bigger barns. And I'll say to myself, hey, man, you've got plenty of good stuff laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And that is a philosophy of life. When you're dead, you're dead. So store up your stuff, get it all now, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Look what God said to them in this parable. You fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself, see? This is how it will be in verse 21. Who stores up things for himself. In other words, who embraces this philosophy, this lie of Satan, you're dead. when you're dead, you're dead. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. See, and if you believe when you're dead, you're dead, and you stay, if you believe when you're dead, you stay dead, um, nothing after this life, then, then, then how urgent are you going to be about lost or unsaved people? Here's another lie that devils really want you and me to believe 
to make us passive about eternal life. And I do believe this is the most subtle. We look at the people in our lives and we say, they're saved. Because some years ago, they confessed faith in Jesus, and I heard it with my two little ears. And you're okay with that. See, they show no interest whatsoever in the things of God, like prayer. You know, saved people will always talk about answered prayer. They will always talk about answered prayer. They will see God in their lives. No interest in that, though. No interest in the Word of God. No interest in connecting with other believers, mission work, or anything. And we look at them and we say, oh, but years ago they made a profession of faith. And oh, they're saved. Folks, people will make an emotional profession of faith. They will do that. And they will make an emotional profession of faith with their head, because they know the facts, and with their mouth, but it never came from the heart. And it's so easy to say to you, it's so easy, oh yeah, of course I believe in Jesus. You know what that does? That gives you a false sense of security, but it gets you off their back. So you don't keep bringing the issue up. It gets you off their back. Devils hate 1 John 2.19. They hate this, they hate this, they hate this because it exposes their lie. Look at this. John says, they, meaning believe the people involved in his church, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us in the first place. For if the, see, the, 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 these people were very, very religious, they were saying, oh, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Sure I do. But look it. They went out from us. They didn't really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But they didn't remain. Their going showed that none of them belonged to us in the first place. Now, that's a hard pill for lots of people to swallow. Me too, because we all have people in our lives, and you all love to say, oh, yeah, they're going to heaven. And they show no interest whatsoever, none, in the things of God. And that's where 1 John 2.19 really kicks in. See, the devil, want, the, the, the devil loves you to believe they're going to heaven, despite the fact they show no interest in things of God. Oh, sure, they're going to heaven. Listen to what Jesus said. Talks about people when he preached a message in John 8, believing in him. And then Jesus looked at those people who say, oh yeah, we believe in you in John 8, 31. And this is from the King James. He said this, if you continue, okay, you people who say you believe in me, if you continue, if you continue, if you continue in my word, then I'll believe you guys. Then you're my disciples indeed. And so the devil wants to lull us into passively believing all these people who show no interest in the things of God are saved. Now, I've got to tell you what drives me to go to, into my Jerusalem, my Judea, my Samaria, and all the earth. Here's what drives me. It's the truth of Scripture. That everybody's going to rise from death. Believe me, you are not dead when you're dead. And, and, and everyone's going to have to stand before the Lord. Folks, we've got, we, we got to deal with this Scripture. John 5, 28. Jesus says this, don't be amazed at this, for a time is coming, for anyone who thinks when you're dead, you're dead, for anyone who thinks everybody goes to heaven, 
Don't be amazed at this, for time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live. That means as an outgrowth of faith. And those who have done evil with no faith in Christ will rise to be condemned. So those are the two options, see. Luke 16, our Lord's um, telling a story. Maybe a parable, may not. That's not a big deal. It's just here in the Word of God. This is in Luke 16, reading from verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and he lived in luxury every day. And at his gate was laid a beggar whose name was Lazarus, and he was covered with sores and, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. But even the dogs came and licked his sores. Now the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side and the rich man died and was buried. And then it says in hell in the NIV Bible, in hell. The Greek word actually means Hades. Hades is the intermediate state. It's the place where unbelievers go before the final judgment. So this guy is in this intermediate state in Hades where he was in torment and he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And so he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this, in this fire. And jump down to verse 27. Abraham answered and said, and, and the rich man said to Abraham, then I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my father's house because I got five brothers and let Lazarus warn my five brothers because I don't want my brothers where I am, man. So the guy's in Hades. That's where the unbelieving dead go until the final judgment. He's in agony in the fire. And here's a tough thing too. He has memories of his family and his brothers and he's got memories of the good times here in this life. And I believe, and you know, and, and, and there's no hope of ever having those memories again. And those memories got to torment him. Okay. The Bible speaks of hell as outer darkness. Revelation 20, verse 10, talks about the devils and in hell. Verse 10, 20 of Revelation. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur with the beast and the false prophet, and they will be tormented their day and night forever and ever and ever. And so, folks, you've got to get a hold of this. Hell is eternal. It is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and we are passive. I mean, Jesus said this thing this is in Mark 9, 48. This is telling. Mark 9, 48. Jesus said, their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. He's talking about hell. He said, the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Let, let me tell you what he's talking about here. On the outskirts of Jerusalem, there was a place called Potter's Field. Okay, that's where they threw Judas' body. That's where they were going to throw Jesus' body before Joseph took him. And so there's this smoldering, smoldering dump. It's the city dump. It's on fire all the time. It's like a big charcoal fire, and it's always smoldering. And for people who can't afford a funeral, they throw their bodies on that dump. Now, it's always smoldering. It's always on fire. And there was a, and I, I read this in commentaries, there was a particular worm, a strain of worm, in that smoldering inferno, and that worm could resist the heat and never die. It could live in the fire and never, ever die. And that's what our Lord's talking about right here. Their worm does not die ever, and the fire keeps on going. And believe me, 
Those folk knew exactly what our Lord was referring to. And I got to tell you, folks, that is what gets to me. That's what... I look at a person who doesn't know Christ, and, and that's... And I know their end, man, I'll tell you. People who go there are like that worm. They never die. They never die. There is... Ne- and, and, and you are so passive. I mean, me too. And you want to say about those people in your life, oh, they believe. Oh, yeah, 15 years ago, they confessed Christ. With their head, yeah. With their mouth, yeah. Not with the heart. They never die. There's never the hope of deliverance. There's never even the hope of death. Now, there's Bible commentators who will tell you this, and I've heard this a lot. So I've heard this so much. They say, well, Jesus tells all these details about hell to make a point. The, the, the details aren't true. Well, that's nonsense. This Bible is God's truth. This is absolute truth from God. But let me play that game. Who say, well, all these details about hell aren't true. So, you know, it, 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 he, he's just trying to make a point. Okay, I'll play that game. I'll, let's, let's say that's true. He's just trying to make a point by telling all these stories about hell. Well, what, what on earth is the point? What's the point he's trying to make? The point he's trying to make is there's nothing worse. That's his point. There is nothing as horrible as hell, and it is forever, and we have believed these lies that pacify us. Now the good stuff. In Luke 16, verse 25, But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received um, the bad things, but now he is comforted. This beggar had nothing. All he had to lean on was his God. And, and he did, and he got his reward. Now let me tell you about heaven. Philippians 1:21. For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. See, you guys know that, right? In the prophet and lost column, to live is Christ. But what, see, he said, when you die, if you're a believer in Christ, if you die, it's gain. And then you got to look at this one, Philippians 1.23. The apostle Paul writes, you know, this is God talking, not just Paul. I'm torn between the two. I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ. I got a desire to be with Christ, to die and to be with Christ. I got to, give me life, give me death. I'll take death because then I'm with Christ, which is, now, now get this, better by far. Better by far, 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 better by far. Second Peter 2.13, it tells me that heaven is the home of righteousness. This is, is so glorious. I mean, there's no sin there. There's no, there's no inclination to sin. Folks, when you and I go to heaven, we're not going to worry about the future. We're not going to worry about where the next buck's coming from or something like that. You're not going to want to. You're not going to want to lie. You won't want to. We're going to have meaningful, fulfilling responsibility The King James Bible translates heaven as our mansion, not just a place to live, our mansion. But then I just got to boil it down to all this in Revelation chapter 21. And this is verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. I got to tell you, folks, that's all I need. I am going to be with the God in his presence who sent his son into the world, the son of God who laid down his life for my sins, and I am going to be, and you as a believer are going to be there time without end. I don't need to know anything else. 
That's all God's truth. And those are the options. How do you get that? How do you get that heart for lost people? Well, the first thing is obvious. You know the options, heaven and hell, is the word of God presents heaven and hell. And you got to believe this is all truth. This isn't lies. I mean, heaven and hell are exactly what they say in the word of God. I mean, if this is a lie, I mean, if all this stuff about hell is just to scare us into witnessing, or if all the stuff about heaven is just pie in the sky, then that's a lie and that makes God a liar and takes away our hope. And if he's not God, we're all lost. But you've got to keep telling yourself, Everything this word of God says about our two options is absolutely right. And then you've got to look at this. You've got to say this. You know, there are not a whole lot of ways to heaven. There is one way to the Father. And I just go back to the basic passage. There's a hundred of them I could quote. But Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, this not from yourself, it's a gift of God, not of work, so no man can boast. you got to say, that is truth. Folks, you got to say, by grace are you saved, through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, so no man can boast. you got to say, that is truth. See, that's the plan of salvation, grace, an unmerited gift from our Father. We can't earn it by our works. We receive the gift by faith, by trusting in Jesus Christ, and that gives all the glory to God. If you could offer God one thing, one thing, guess what? You'd have something to boast about. It wasn't all God. It was partly you, but Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, so that nobody can boast then you got that as truth. There have been lots of humanitarian people like Gandhi or Albert Schweitzer or maybe people you know. And they've done all these wonderful humanitarian things. I mean, you try and say to a, an audience, any audience, that, that Gandhi is not in heaven after all the good works he's done, see? Well, that would mean that God has one standard of salvation for some people and another standard of salvation for other people. And the Bible says there is only one standard. You've got to believe that. This is not a lie. This is truth. Heaven and hell are exactly what the Bible says. Salvation is by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. And you accept that as absolute truth. Man, that's got to be number one. That'll make you urgent. Number two. We have to understand that God is sovereign if you want a heart for the lost. That means nothing comes into your life, no trial, no joy, no person. Nothing, 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 nothing comes into your life without God. In 139 Psalm, Psalm 139, 16, David writes under inspiration, your eyes saw my unformed body. That means you, you formed me in my mother's womb. Then he says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. How precious to me are all your thoughts, so God, if I could count them, they would outnumber the sands of the sea. All that's saying, folks, is this. He has, he has every detail of a believer's life in hand. Every detail of your life is in hand. I want to say this again. No trial, nothing. No person. God is sovereignly in control of your life. No person, no trial, no joy, no nothing comes into your life. You got to believe this unless it's from God. God. God sends everybody who's in your life into your life for a reason. But here's the big one. God, our Father, will bring people into your life who don't know Jesus Christ. He's given you and me by his sovereign grace the gift of believing the gospel. How many people believe this ridiculous gospel that a man died 2,000 years ago on a cross a criminal's death and somehow he's my salvation? See, we believe that. We have that gift. We believe that Christ alone is the way. 
And then God puts us in families and jobs and different arenas of life to let what's in us come out of us. If unbelievers are in your life, they're from God. And you're not looking at it that way. Neither am I. That's a problem. That person, you got to tell yourself, is my divine responsibility. Maybe not to lead them to faith, or maybe, yes, to lead them to faith. Maybe just to be part of a process, see, that breaks down that hard core wall around their hearts. But we are what we are by divine plan to give away what's in us. Every non-believer is in your life by divine plan so you can give something away. Are you giving it away? God's chosen to partner with us in saving a soul from damnation. Folks, there is no higher honor in your life. There's nothing that gives you more dignity than that. That is number one. Listen, listen, God has the power to will their salvation. All he's got to do is say, be saved, and it's all done. Just wave his hand. Or he doesn't have to wave his hand. It's all done. But he partners with me. He partners with me. And this is Matthew chapter 9. This is 936. When he saw the crowds, Jesus had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, he could have looked at all those harassed and helpless people and he could have just saved them automatically. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into that harvest field. He saw all these people going through the motions of religion. They had no clue how to get to heaven, and he could have saved them all. But he said, no, you pray that my Father will send out laborers into the harvest. He works through us. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.